he was a hard man to get a hold of for you guys for yeah. a, a while. And uh, Zach may have been texting a, an old number and getting that was, no, that was me. That was me. That was I got I got some great wisdom from that number. <laughs> what, what was it? What happened? I forget at this point. But it, it was, was something like, like, if you die tomorrow, what will you? No, no, no. It was for? like if you had Alzheimer's or no. <laughs> oh yeah, if you had like, Alzheimer's and it got cured, would you remember that you had it or something like that? I don't know. It was it was wild. Like it, I thought something. about it for days. It, <laughs> I mean, I didn't write anything for like three days. I, just, I sat under a tree with knew? candles, drinking wine, just thinking about life. Welcome to On the Bench. I'll be your host today, Chris Nee, because, you know, we all got to prepare for what's next in life. I'm joined here by Brendan Sinone and Zachary. Young what's Zachary, up? how are you this morning? I'm not talking to you, Brendan. I'll get to you. <laughs> I'm keeping the trains on time here, buddy, okay? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for asking. All right, Brendan, you can talk now. Go ahead. I, I just don't understand what you meant by that. That I'm, I'm just leaning next. into the conspiracy theory that you're slowly moving out of Knowles 24-7. Oh. You know, we're preparing for what's next. So I'm just leaning into He just it. wants to do back-end stuff for 24 I just, I just want to have a little fun with it because, Kitchen. yeah. All right, so lots to talk about today. F, as you now knows who their bowl opponent will be, where their bowl will be, when it will be, and what channel it will be on. Thursday at 5.30 p.m. ESPN. Cheese it ball in Orlando, Florida at Camping World Stadium against Oklahoma, or what's le- going to be left of Oklahoma at that point. Uh, don't want to spend a whole lot of time on the ball. We'll dive into it further when we get closer to that date, which is more than two, three weeks away at this point. But uh, I think the main storyline there is going to be just who's going to play in that game for both sides. Oklahoma's already had a ton of kids hit the portal. They've had some other kids talk about opting out already, officially saying they're going to opt out because they're going to go further to career at the NFL or the Senior Bowl, things of that sort. From an FSU perspective, it hasn't been near as much of a bloodbath. You know, we we know of a few guys hitting the portal. We're going to talk about that in this episode. Uh, for the most part, guys have said they don't intend to opt out. We asked Jamie Romson about that last week. He doesn't intend to opt out. Jared Verse wasn't as definitive as Jamie Romson, but still sounded like he intends to play. Uh, those were a couple guys we talked to. We haven't talked to maybe like a Fabian Lovett, for example, somebody we haven't talked to. But I suspect we will because FSU does return to practice here on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We'll have coverage from those. We'll have availability with coaches, uh, or at least Coach Norvell. I'm not sure about assistants and players, and we'll get more from that. As I said, we'll talk plenty about the ball in coming weeks. Let's get back to something that's actually important that happened this week and pertains to the team, the return of Jordan Travis. I'm going to hand a baton off to Brendan Sinone because he is fan number one of the fan club. He is, in fact, the president of the fan club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jordan Travis announced on Monday evening, on what was a really slow news day anyways, right? Like there was nothing else going on on, on Monday that we were doing all day. Portal, uh, but season. Anyway, <laughs> portal season, baby. But Jordan Travis announced his return to Florida State for the 2023 season. Not a surprise if you've been following following along at Knowles 24-7, but obviously like an extremely important development to set expectations high for Florida State for the 2023 campaign. Jordan Travis's growth, as documented here on on the show, has been nothing short of remarkable. Like I've said it before, it's probably the best, most at least the most fun storyline for an individual player I've ever covered, like from where he was to where he is. And it sets really high expectations for what FSU can do in 2023. I did the instant reaction pod, so no, I don't need to to go too much in, in depth on my thoughts here, what it means for FSU. But there's obviously going to be like a lot of implications that come with this in terms of being able to attract 
transfers and recruits to come play with you for this upcoming season uh, and as well as getting current players to return. So uh, with that in mind, maybe I'll throw this to Zach Blostein and get his thoughts on the returns since you guys have already heard my thoughts. Yeah, I think it's huge. Um, I think it being announced on Monday was purposeful. Uh, December 5th was the first day that FBS players could enter the transfer portal and them knowing that Florida State is going to have a really solid dare I say, close to elite quarterback uh, at the helm next season uh, is going to be an attractive selling point for the Florida State coaching staff as they try to add a few transfers, which we'll get into a little bit later on the podcast, to this team for this coming season. So I think it's huge on that note. Um, and I think even high school recruiting, right? Guys that are coming in this year have a chance to play with Jay Trav um, for, for for another season. So I think... I, I, like me offering my you know perspective on on both the portal and recruiting i think it's going to be huge and, and it's only going to help florida state you know close on some prospects down the stretch yeah on a day where we saw about half of the acc starting quarterbacks hit the portal and change schools including one making an in-conference transfer you know it's good to see that fsu's main guy the guy that kind of leads the ship here who this team has been built around that he's coming back and as brennan brought up it's an important point that i think he went ahead and did it because to other guys who have decisions to make, it dictates some of the terms in the sense of, yes, we expect to be good next year. You have your quarterback in place. This program's not going to take a step back from an offensive standpoint. So it is a positive. With that in mind, it's transaction season. As we've mentioned, portal is open. December 5th has come. Guys are going to come. Guys are going to go. Some are going to be asked to depart. Some are going to depart because they think they can go somewhere else and play. From an FSU perspective, we've had about five hit the portal or at least shared our intentions to hit the portal so far. Real quick rundown on that. Obviously, started with Sam McCall. I think that's an example of a guy who wasn't really asked to go. More was told, your time is up here. We've seen others like the Jacksons, Sean Bray Jackson, Jarrett Jackson, both hit it. In Sean Bray's case, guy who just hadn't panned out here in two years. It just hadn't worked out. You know, he'd been passed over, recruited over. Jarrett Jackson was a serviceable two deep player in his time at FSU after transferring here from Louisville. I think the expectation for him is maybe go somewhere else and have a more prominent role than is expected for him here next year. Uh, help me along here, guys. Amari Gaynor is another one linebacker. Uh, Amari, you know, great seminal guy has been everything you want here. He earned a great deal of praise upon making his decision to depart by Mike Norvell. I think that's a sign of who and what he is in Amari's case. Amari's going to go find somewhere where he his ability fits the role better than it ever did here. When FSU went to a 4-2-5, Amari was sort of lost in the mix. He wasn't a guy that sort of fit what they do with their linebackers. He's not the size that they want their DNs to be, to be an edge rusher, which is probably where he most likely fits in the sense of being a guy that comes downhill and rushes a passer. You know, West Virginia was in his house yesterday. So there that's what three three five stack, I think they run there. Three three yeah, but they would do some stuff with like he would be like a bandit for them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah where he which does is, a lot of attacking a gap and being aggressive downhill, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people always talk about the portal as though it's like, oh, this guy doesn't like the program, he's leaving. No, in some cases it's guys leaving because the opportunity is better elsewhere and it makes sense for them. And it's mutually beneficial. And I think Amari Gaynor is a perfect example of that. Next guy I'm going to mention here, wide receiver Keyshawn Hilton issued a phenomenal note yesterday on Monday about his time at FSU. Anybody you ask in this program, player, coach, strength coach, people that are just around it, Keyshawn Hilton's going to be praised. He deserves every bit of that praise he's going to get. One, he went through the bad times. Two, he's just an A1 dude. He's a phenomenal young man. 
very mature. He was a guy whose role completely evaporated this year, and he was still as emotionally invested as any football player on this roster to FSC's success. And he worked as hard as he could every day but Saturday because he wasn't on the field to make sure Saturdays went well for FSU. And there's just something you got to like about that. I genuinely like Keyshawn Helton. I think I share that sentiment with my co-hosts and my cohorts here on the podcast that he's just a good dude. And, uh, you know, he's going to go try to play one more year elsewhere and wrap up his college career that way. And obviously we wish him well. So those are guys that are in at this point. The bigger question, obviously, is what are we looking for next? So I'll hand that mm-hmm. off to Sinone, Zach. Obviously, there's quite a few things we're monitoring as a group. Wow. Yeah, where do we start with with portal stuff and what and, and potential guys to leave or come back? Uh, let's see. So I do think we did see a good chunk of players. Let's start with this. A good chunk of players on Tuesday evening announced that they were returning to Florida State. Uh, and they were doing so by announcing it through a new collective in the FSU landscape, the battle's end. Uh, we've talked about that on the Knowles 24-7 message board. It is probably going to be discussed more in the podcast uh, forum down the road because Ingram Smith of the Knollcast is really the, the, the forward-facing member of this collective. It is going to be backed by some serious financial uh, partners, and I, ultimately, you're going to have to figure out in the landscape of like, okay, there's currently the battle's end. There's rising spear. How are those two going to work together? Could it be positive for Florida State? There, there are questions to be answered. But ultimately, I think having the battle's end involved with what I believe is going to be very aggressive uh, finances in the NIL opportunity game uh, will be ultimately beneficial to Florida State. So with, with that in mind, and we can talk about that more later if you guys want, but with that in mind, Kalen Deloach announces that he is signed with the Battle's End and will return for the 2023 season. It's a starting linebacker. Bernardo Green, who had a really solid season as your starting cornerback, will return. Battle's End. Uh, Jerry Jones, who got progressively better as the year went on as a starting cornerback, he signed with the Battle's End and will return. And then Patrick Payton, the ACC Defensive Rookie of the Year, signed with Battle's End. He was going to come back anyways because he's an underclassman, but yeah, that. That's a good start for that collective to show basically, hey, we're, we're here, we're serious, we're in it to win it. Uh, I think it's a good use of funds to retain players on a winning team. It's a, it, so much of NIL, we think about like the Miamis and Texas A&Ms of the world where you're buying classes. Don't tell that to Jimbo, that's what happened. Uh, but this is a good use of it as well. I'm not saying that's going to be the only use of those of those opportunities, but right now you're trying to make a statement and you're trying to build some uh, cachet with FSU fan base is a great way to do it. More expected to come on Wednesday. Yeah. And real quick on battles end, I think a good 200 word description or 200 character description of them is a group that's been created for player retention. I don't think this is as much about player acquisition at this stage for them. It's about retaining players. We see that with the announcement of the four guys yesterday. You know, I think they were involved some way, some form, maybe with Jordan Travis's return as well. And we're expecting to see more from them. In fact, they teased that last evening after the announcement of these four. So obviously, I think they'll be involved in plenty going forward. But I think in the immediate, you know, the next seven to 10 days, they're going to be more about shoring up this roster and regarding the portal and things of that sort. So, you know, and from a collective standpoint, there's a whole lot of discussion there. As Brennan mentioned, we'll have more hopefully with them in the near future. You know, FSC's got a few in the market. It is what it is. Zach, you got something you want to chime in on with that? Yeah, I just want to say the one thing I like about what they're doing right now is that they're being proactive about uh, roster retention. 
as you know, Brendan noted, a lot of schools are straight up buying players off of other rosters. Uh, they're tampering to try and get them to enter the portal and then paying them uh, to, to, to come to their school. So I think FSU is doing a good job of trying to get most of the two deep, uh, you know, under partnerships or whatever you want to call it with Battles End. Um, relationships. Relationships. Uh, I think Battles End is doing a great job at that. And I think that's going to help FSU retain all the guys they want to retain on this roster. So some of the, uh, we don't want to get too much into rumor and things of that sort, but from a retention standpoint, a guy I feel comfortable saying I expect FSU to retain is linebacker Tatum Bethune. We've said that pretty consistently. I feel like now for at least a month, mm-hmm. that's still the case. So FSU, we expect them to return both of their linebackers. I don't expect Jamie Robinson back. I still don't expect Fabian Lovett back, even though that one may not be as slammed door shut as yeah, he, it once was he, thought to be. He did some teasing with some eyeball emojis and, and whatnot around the time of the Jordan Travis announcement that, that makes you go, hmm, dug around a little bit on it. There, there's something there. Uh, I still think like that. Well, I still think that like we haven't prepared like a Fabian Lovett's returning story yet. And I think that's a good indication of like what I'm planning workflow wise is like if we're trying to prioritize so much going on right now. That's not something I've taken the time to write yet. Doesn't mean he can't come back and, and just absolutely shock us and surprise us all i think there's a case to be made if if the battle's end is involved and if the battle's end is able to put together something pretty enticing like maybe fabian lovett would make more money coming back for another season at florida state than he would if he becomes like a a sixth or seventh round draft pick if he's a third or fourth round draft pick then i mean you probably go pro so i think there's gonna be a few guys jared versus another who whose draft stock will depend will determine whether or not you see them in a Florida State uniform next year. Um, yeah, so dra- so those- draft grades, we don't know if those are back in the fold yet. That's one of those things that we're waiting to hear. I think that's certainly the case with Jared Verse. From a defensive standpoint, I can't really think of anybody else we probably need to focus on. No, I, I think most two deep guys from defense that, that they want back will be back. And, and yeah, Verse and Lovett are the two, Chris. And I think like Akeem Dennis is a good example of someone who an NIL collective might be able to help retain and he had a disappointing season you get him back for another year so yeah that's that's an example of it yeah dent had the injury in the back half of the year and that definitely kind of dented his uh oh my god draft stock sorry i had to put a synode in there i just had to do it okay, I would never. Off- you would never you definitely would sir offensively um micah Pittman, winston Wright, those two have already commented on their stuff their intentions to be here next year you know, we feel pretty confident about most of that receiver room coming back. Maybe there is a slight thinning of the herd just because there is a lot of numbers in there with more coming. Um, but there's nobody that right now would definitively say, I think that guy's departing. Obviously, Keyshawn has departed. Yeah. But I'm talking from guys that contributed this past season. At wide receiver room, no. I mean, Johnny Wilson signed with Rising Spear late in the – so this yeah. is where it's going to get interesting with the, with two different collectives. But he signed with Rising Spear, announced that late uh, in the regular season. I, I expect like guys like Kentron Portier and, and Darian Williamson to return. But, like, I mean, if they – if so, there's some back channel stuff in in the portal, like a, a high end G five school or low end power five that can be like, Hey, you're going to come in and start like, sure. That's something to consider for those guys just where they're at at this point in their careers. But like the transfer market at wide receiver has been so freaking robust so far. I mean, there's been a lot of, of productive players enter the portal and we haven't seen FSU go super aggressively after everyone at wide receiver at wide receiver. Uh, which I think is indicative of what they expect to return, plus what they're expecting to bring in with with a really talented freshman class. 
I think it's worth talking about the running back room. I think that's yeah. probably where the most interest is, right? For, yeah, for I mean, we've hit, we've hit on that on prior podcasts. I, I think we threw out the idea of if you're Lawrence Toe Philly, for example, somebody offers you essentially the idea of being a starter, do you go and take that? Because from a carry standpoint, with the presumption that Trey Benson is returning, which we do believe that to be what's going to happen, you know running back one is coming back. And obviously FSU uses many, and they use them in a variety of ways. But at some point, some guys also just want to be the dude. So Toe Philly was solely an example. But yes, I wholeheartedly think the possibility exists of one of the primary backs, one of those top three backs, not Benson, but you know, a Toe Philly or a Treshawn Ward, for example, to potentially look at going elsewhere. It, it's weighing liking being at a place, really liking the room you're in, liking the development you've seen at the program for yourself versus simply opportunity carries. You know, I think the top carries for this year for Treshawn Ward was maybe 16 against LSU. So, like, you know, can he go somewhere else and average more than 16 a game? Probably. So, yes. I have a version of an NCAA 14 dynasty that has Treshawn Ward transferring to South Alabama and being a badass. So, Zach, I want to bring you in on this next position, tight end. Tight end's a little different than running back. Tight end at, at FSU currently, with the fact that Cam McDonald's departing, isn't exactly a room that, you know, has set the world on fire. But we know FSU is very active in the portal with tight ends. Do you think that if FSU t- were to acquire a tight end or two via the portal, that that changes the dynamics of the current room and other guys look to go shopping and find a different place for, to be home? I think it would have to. Um, there's a few guys down on the, ro- the depth chart uh, at the tight end position. It's already a pretty loaded position when it comes to scholarships, probably more than usual. Um, but Norvell and, and the staff have obviously made tight end a priority in the portal, meaning that I don't think they'd be super upset if um, they thinned some of the numbers out in that room. If they were to add, you know, some of the guys that we'll talk about later, like a Kyle Morlock or a Jaheim Bell, um, that they're both, uh, you know, actively recruiting and, and probably, you know, near the top of top of the list for, um, you know, a few days in the portal. So, yeah, I, I think uh, I think it's pretty possible and probable that if FSU does add a guy like Morlock or slash and Bell, that you could see, uh, you know, a, a, a tight end or two down on the depth chart, you know, maybe explore other options. And to wrap up this talk, quarterback, it's a position where only one guy gets to play it. We know the guy who's going to play it next year for FSU. Do I think somebody's going to leave? No but it's just simply one of those positions you always sort of got to keep an eye on. When the portal first came around, quarterback was always a position that was sort of pinpointed as one where there was just going to be a lot of movement because there already had prior to the existence of the transfer portal been a lot of movement with transfer quarterbacks because, again, only one can have the ball. In 2023, we know that's Jordan Travis barring injury. Mm -hmm. Do other guys consider something different because of that? That's sort of a to be determined. For There's been plenty of rumors on that so far early this off season, but nothing that I'm putting a, a ton of like stock into is like being immediate. Uh, FSU is currently scheduled to have four scholarship quarterbacks on the roster for the 2023 season. That's kind of an anomaly to, or maybe not an anomaly. More, more so, it's like it's like a 50-50 rate of like whether you have three scholarship quarterbacks or four uh, in a season. I think it'd be more interesting, like whether FSU has four scholarship quarterbacks on the roster for the entirety of the 2023 season going into it. Like, I think that's probably a reasonable expectation with, with Tate Rodemaker, AJ Duffy and, and Brock Glenn enrolling. But like, if, 
if someone sees their path to playing time, whether it's it's QB1, QB2, like or QB1 in the future, QB2 this year, like changes, like do they make it through the entire season? That's just me speculating just based on on pure numbers here. But yeah, it's going to be something to, to monitor, but nothing imminent that we know of right now as we record this on a Wednesday morning. Yeah, I'm good. That's cool. I would say on Tate, uh, the one thing to point out is, one, he's kind of gone through it already here, and he's stuck with it. That's worth mentioning, I think. And the other thing is, at this point, I'm sure he's pretty close to his degree, and I would presume he would want to get there, um, just knowing a little bit about him, his makeup, and how he operates. So just mention that. From an offensive perspective, I think we covered about everybody from a two-deep perspective. Obviously, some of those guys buried on the offensive line depth chart who are upperclassmen types, I certainly could see them opting to move on. Um, but, you know, there's nobody that I know is imminent that's going to happen. So I think that kind of wraps up that. It's probably a good time to do a little buyers and own, which is brought to you by the Turner Group. I'm glad somebody could carry the flag for me since usually I carry all that weight. But uh, all right. So I'm going to hand, hand it off to Brendan, the namesake of buyers and own, and let him fire off the questions. Let's give a shout out to Colin Turner and Amy Turner of the Turner Group. If you're looking to buy or sell a home in the state of Florida, spe- specifically, sorry, Colin in Central Florida area, you can reach out to Colin at 407-403-8546. If someone does not call the man and ask him about a house today, I'll do another Falcon the Road. I'm holding this podcast hostage. If you guys don't start calling Colin. And- Please. Oh, wait. Zach's such an instigator. He wanted us to do a Falcon the Road, and then everyone hated the Falcon the Road, and he wiped his hands of it and pretended like he didn't love it. I don't I- think I ever wanted you to do it, correct? Like you was, never knew about it. You were on vacation, and I just snuck it in. When I snuck it in the I middle of the be night. Yeah, just to see. I, I don't know. I I was. I'm most, more so joking. I I didn't have an issue with the podcast, but I think uh, it's funny that people hate it so much. And people like to complain about stuff. People don't right, remember so, in living color, but hated it. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, hey, buddy. Old, 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 old. All right, I so we old. have some buyers to knowns. We don't have a ton of time, so we're going to do a few. Zach provided some in the chat that we're going to get through. I found a few back in like deep down, like deep cuts, very end of page two to get into that I liked. Uh, But really, this was not your best performance, listeners and those 24-7 subscribers. Uh, Josh Newberg hated Fires to Know when you guys got involved. Don't make him right. Like, step it up a little bit. Do questions that make us go, hmm, make us think. Like, this is the most unique game on the FSU podcast, like, market right now. Bring your A game, guys. First off, Byers Sinone from PC Seminole. FSU ends this recruiting cycle with a higher rated transfer class than a high school class. Bye. Ranked or rated? Rated. Same thing. I don't know. You're the one who put this in the chat for me to, to pick. You figure it out. I can still I, ask questions. I asked everyone to not do numbers and will FSU have this many things? And that's the first thing that, that we have here. Okay. Um, I'll buy that. Also known it. What? Uh, wait, I'm sorry. Higher rank transferred in high school. I'll buy it. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Had a moment there. The coffee we're, hasn't hit. We're firing, firing. The coffee hasn't hit. We're off to a great start. Phil S. Good. Yeah, FSU is going to have a ton of like the they are going big game hunting in the transfer portal. That's clear. I think the prep class is probably going to be in the like in the low teen range to maybe mid teens, yeah. and I think your transfer class. Could, we'll be top 10 and, and who knows like if you mess around top five phil s goodman buyers known alex atkins takes a head coaching job before the end of 2024 oh that i mean i think next year will be his year 
if it's yeah, not I'm, this. I'm buying that. I, I don't think he was all that far off this go around, truthfully. Um, I think interviews have already started, or at least interest has already started in him this year. And that, that will only continue. He's done a phenomenal job here. He's completely flipped a room that was dreadful for damn near a decade before he got here. And the dude can coach and he can recruit and he's smart as hell. And he's, he's impressive. You talk to Alex Atkins, you come away impressed, plain and simple. I think he's the type that when ADs and presidents deal with him, he's going to stand out to them. Bye. That's the you know natural ascension of what Alex Atkins has done in his career. And I think he's, he's only earned, um, you know, based on what he's, done in both recruiting and uh you know the actual roster and developing the offensive line into a actual uh average to above average group compared to what it was in years past i think uh he's only proven that he's a guy that's qualified for for a head coaching job at at some level um by 2024 i almost read what zach wrote <laughs> in the script thread about this question it had a, a expletive in it poppy 22 Byersonone, there will be at least 15 more posts today asking why our NIL announcements look like BC jerseys. <laughs> Bye. Sinone, at some point I'll have on uh, my breaking point, I'll just start locking them and redirecting traffic. Start locking yeah, Sinone, Chris, or Chris will uh, make sure that doesn't happen. <laughs> Wimstein, so people know, and Chris explained it on the thread, but like the reason why the, if you go to Twitter and the announcements for players returning uh, through the NIL collective, don't have FSU jerseys on and they look kind of Boston College-ish, which FSU's jerseys already kind of look probably too similar to Boston College for any of our comfort level, right? But uh, state law in in Florida is like, can't be associated and collective can't be actually associated with the school. So using the logo would put you in risk of, of a violation. Yeah, also copyrights and things of that sort. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wimstein won. Byers to know the second half of the Louisville game was the most pivotal part of the season. Uh, we're talking about this season or last season? Second half of Louisville has been big the last two years, I think. I think he means this season. I do too. I was just being kind of. Um, I can see it being a buy. I think that's a fair point. Uh, you know, that game goes south. I think the feelings and the way this season plays out is very different, maybe. But there were a healthy amount of pivotal points. As my man Brendan Sinone loves to say, it's pretty pivotal. I do love um, I'll go ahead and buy it, though. I, I think it's important. It set a good tone early, and it didn't allow what was good the week before to suddenly be vanquished and go away. So, yeah, I'll buy it. I'll say Sinone because I think the LSU win kind of set up what FSU wanted to do this season, and that was you know win a ton of games. And I think if you don't win LSU – like like your point with Louisville, I think you know the overall trend of the season is not upwards, um, and, and FSU would be kind of fighting a, an uphill battle the entire way. Whereas you, know, you get the LSU win, obviously you get a huge win at Louisville, and then you have the BC and you start four zero. Um, I think that that succession was in, extremely important uh, for FSU's confidence later in the year. Um, but I but I think the LSU win is bigger than than Louisville second half. Louisville game, we had 87 injuries, and we kind of learned we're all we got, we're all we need. So I, I also think that component exists. Yeah, definitely. It is. It is a good talking point. Like I think if I had to do three biggest moments from the year, uh, LSU is probably number one in terms of being important. But I think that that second half against Louisville really won to get the win and put you in position to have like a nice number of wins on the season. What existed. would be the third? 
it's a tie between either the Miami game, uh, which you just went out and housed your opponent, and that's, I think, big time of how you ended the season. Or, man, Jay Trav in the Florida game is going to be one that we remember for a while, and and so I, and those rivalry games. So. I know we always look at positives in that question. I think NC State was pretty important on the year, too, because they were flat-out pissed off about how they played there. Yeah, but then you had the, the head coach was, the players were. Yeah, but Clemson's a good team, and Clemson was a better team at that point than they were at the end of the year in the sense of how they were playing ball. NC State was an example of FSU allowing one to get away from them entirely. It's a game they should have won. I, I th- there's something to that. I mean, even the Clemson game, though, like I, the middle eight, man. Well, you learned something about yourself that that game too, because that was the first game where they lined up with the double tight ends and out of pistol and just ran the ball over and over again. And they realized they could do that against a good defensive front, and that became such a key part of what they did in that back half of the season that you learned some things about yourself. You got bullied for a, a really key stretch of that game. Middle uh, eight. Yep. The middle eight. Yes, Chris, we know, we know. Uh, but you also show that you can do some things against a team of Clemson's caliber. So it was like the sobering of reality. Like you're not quite there yet, but you can get there if you like, like it provided a path of what you can do and a blueprint of what you can do and who you are, and I think they followed that script the rest of the way. Yeah, it's kind of refreshing, and I know Coach Norvell and players hit on it, but FSU does learn lessons from what they've done, and that's kind of been a nice theme of the last two years. All right, next one. Middle eight. Uh, middle eight. Uh, let's see. Okay, I got some on the back end here of, of page two that I liked, and then and then we'll get to a commercial break. Byer Sinone from SWL Seminole. Byer Sinone, you won't be part of the Knowles 24-7 staff by this time next year. I think he's talking about me. Uh, so no, and I, I, I have a my contract ends in July, so hopefully I am. We'll, we'll see. Oh, are we playing this too? Um, I, no, I think just <laughs> I feel like this was a Sinone question. Yeah, I think I mean... let the silence sit in there is fine. Um, this is from Agent Coke. I can pronounce your name correctly now. We learned it won't make it un- awkward. Byer Sinone potentially competing for a spot in the college football playoff is more appealing than being a second round pick in the upcoming draft. I think uh, this is a Jared verse Jared question. question. Um, I will known that because money is awesome and Jared verse is allowed to go make a lot of money, but it is, you know, it's crazy to think that FSU would have been, if we were in the current or the new college football playoff format this year, FSU would have been like a huge talking point of the last two weeks. Um, Meds 907, Byers Sinone, a college football player will be sued by a collective for breach of contract within the next three years. So um, interesting. I, I, I'm I like so this. excited for like tax evasion and, uh, you know, money being laundered and just all the things that might come with this Wild West world we're living in in college athletics. I actually thought about the whole idea of a lawsuit here recently. Um, yeah, I, I sure. I'll buy it. Like, I'm here for it. I, I want the chaos of what we've allowed to happen over the last two years with absolutely no guardrails and no oversight to take over. I mean, there, yeah, there's as much as it's been this crazy, chaotic, beautiful mess, uh, both portal and NIL era kind of melding together. We're still in like the infant stages of it. And so there's going to be this financial aspect that Chris just talked about that, that still hasn't really like been on earth yet. Uh, regarding like the actual question, like whether there is a a lawsuit for breach of contract, like it seems like it will happen. I just don't think anyone wants to be the first one. 
once someone pulls the bandaid off of it and it becomes a more commonplace practice, like, yes, I, I think that will happen as, as you see donors who get pissed off that a kid left after, you know, a few, few months or just committed to something and never follow through and got there. Like it could eventually happen. Just no one wants to be the first one. Honestly, I think that comes back to like, Marius Smith stuff. Like, I, I think that's, there was some elements of like, no one wants to be the person who, who sues a, a college player. Cause that just looks bad for recruiting. Yeah. You're the, you're the one collective that's suing players. Like who's going to want to go sign with you. Um, I'm going to say known. I think it's not going to be a collective and it'll be like an individual like John Ruiz. Yeah. I'm not going to mention him by name. I, I don't feel like being sued. Myself. That was Zachary that said that. Just Zach Blostein. All right. You can contact him at independent contractor, sure. Zach Blostein. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great end to buyers to know. Should we take a commercial break? Yeah, it was a good middle eight. <laughs> so the second part of the middle eight is better than the first part. Uh, what's on the what's on the other end uh, once we take the break, Chris? We're going to talk some official visits and recruiting, and then we're going to dive a little bit more into portal acquisitions. All right, welcome back. So let's hit it. High school official visits. Two more weekends before early signing period, which is actually two weeks from today is when it starts at the three-day period technically, but it stretches well beyond that. Anyway, it's not going to get bogged down with those slight rules. But, yeah, official visits kick off this weekend. We're expecting a few here. There's some that we've already made public. There's some that we're expecting. Zach, what you got to tell me? Oh, it's going to be a big weekend in Tallahassee. We got a few transfers coming in, some high school prospects, some very important high school prospects. Um, Let's start off with tight end Kyle Morlock. We mentioned that FSU is trying to add some quality players into that room. Kyle Morlock is where you start that discussion. He's a guy that entered the portal out of the Division II ranks at Shorter University a few weeks ago, visited Florida State for the UF game. Um, things, you know, coming out of that visit, scheduled the OV for this weekend, and I think FSU sits in a good spot. I actually want to get Brendan's, uh, you know, thoughts on this because he actually dropped a scoop on those 24 7 regarding Morlock's recruitment in Florida State. Scoop. There it is. I understand why people don't like me. It makes sense. Please turn off your computer when you're talking. Oh, who was that? Me. It's my it's university. Going... Email. Oh, anything good? Get your grades. Fandango. The the movie ticket. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> blast from the past. Okay, so Kyle Morlock. I reported on Tuesday evening that the belief is very much so that it's down to Florida State and Tennessee. I think that was always kind of like we thought were the front runners. We'd mentioned LSU potentially as well. And like, you never know as other schools get involved, Auburn has NIL stuff. It can offer and had offered him a scholarship. Wisconsin can use tight ends as well as anyone in the country, regardless of who's the head coach there. It's a tight end powerhouse, but uh, Florida state and Tennessee emerging as the favorites for Kyle Morlock is obviously a a good sign for the Seminoles because you'd rather be in a final two, uh, than a final five, right? Just an odds game there. Uh, Kyle Morlock himself has not done any interviews. He's been very quiet. So it's me having to work through some some back channels to get that information. Uh, there is a belief that Kyle Morlock could take his recruitment into January and take five official visits. But if FSU handles its business this weekend and it, the official visit goes really well, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility to potentially get him to expedite that process and, and maybe only take one other official visit, if, if not just like shut things down completely. So uh, that's going to be a, 
a big storyline to watch here. He's a super high priority for Florida State. The Seminoles really love him. They've prioritized him. He's ranked particularly high in the 24-7 sports transfer portal rankings. I think we have a 91 grade on him, which makes him a four-star recruit, which seems pretty reasonable to me. Uh, the only other thing I can think of that's noteworthy is, is I think with with Kyle Morlock, he wants to major in, in some sort of engineering. And I think there's some credit stuff to watch there that we'll have to get smoothed out with academics during the official visit. But but that might be like something that he has to work on regardless of where he goes, whether it's Tennessee or elsewhere. So that's what I got here. Uh, it seems like pretty positive stuff for Florida State. Not a slam dunk by any means, but you're moving in a, in a good direction and, and you can really take care of things this weekend and put yourself in a really good spot for them. Yeah, Morlock is one of two transfer portal tight ends that FSU's kind of been all in on very quickly, him and Jaheim Bell. Jaheim Bell is a bit more of a flex tight end type, a little bit more of a versatile, uh, less uh, natural looking. He's not 6'7", 250 like Morlock is, but Bell can be used in a variety of ways. He's coming out of South Carolina. He's one that FSU is very much involved in. Earlier in the podcast, Chris, you said you were talking about the two tight ends and you said slash Bell, and I think you just meant like also Bell, but like Slash for him is probably an effective uh, yeah. phrasing because he can do a Tight little end, bit of flex, running back, yeah. wide receiver. He'd be fun in Mike Norvell offense. I'm told that FSU would be extremely open and encourage the chance to add both of those guys. It's not a one or the other type of type of deal. Why not both? As the, the gif would go. I like it. Just keep Two. adding more tight ends. Yeah. Listen, all the Listen. tight ends, all the tight ends, the, the, the Josh Newberg Memorial tight end room. We'll put a plaque over the tight end room. Uh, it's like in every single like all 30 of them that walk in have to slap the plaque as they walk into the room before each meeting. Listen, if FSU comes through both of those guys and I'm not saying that they're going to, but I think FSU is going to be a finalist for both of those guys. So you have a chance for both. If you get both your tight end room. And by the way, uh, Jaheim Bell is ranked, I think, a 94 grade. He's like the third or fourth highest grade that we have in the portal. He's the third rated ranked it's player in the transfer portal right third? now. Okay. So if you get both of those guys, think about if you go from, I'm not trying to be snarky here, but if you go from Cameron McDonald, who had a nice season, Preston Daniel slash Marcus and Douglas, who fine, but probably not assets for you guys who, who do some things well, but not like tone setters. If you go from that being your starting duo to, Kyle Morlock and Jaheim Bell. Like let that sink in what the possibilities are and the potential would be. So something to be excited about. Examples like the linebacker room and others, where if you bring in guys who are thought of as higher ranked beings in the room, it elevates the room. They're either going to take that spot or they're going to force other guys to be better. Marie Smith stepping up when Caden Lyles walked in is a good example. Good example. Existing roster guys being motivated by incoming guys as well. Um, all right, so a couple other official visitors, ones that we know are definitely on the docket, high schoolers, DJ Chester, LSU commitment, FSU's been long involved there. They were involved before the commitment to LSU. Alex Atkins has gone and seen him recently here. Edwin Joseph, talented athlete from South Florida. I think FSU likes him on the defensive side of the ball. He could play on either side of the ball. I think the main thing to watch with Edwin Joseph is Louisville and whatever comes there as far as a coaching hire because they were a school that was very hot and heavy with him. Uh, Zach, you got any teasers or any more high school information you want to throw in there? Yeah. Did you mention Ruben Bain? Sorry, I did I was, not. I was leaving that for you, my friend. Yeah. Thank you. Ruben Bain is a guy that I'm told uh, as of yesterday that he 
could be on campus this weekend for an official visit, sort of possibly um, when, when I asked about it. And I think, you know, checking with some some people close to that recruitment, I think that's going to happen. He is basically down to Miami and Florida State down the stretch. He uh, was really interested in Auburn and Louisville. They've had coaching changes. They Auburn um, did not retain his main recruiters on the defensive line uh, there. So um, don't expect them to be a, a threat. Um, but, you know, with their NIL money, who knows? Um, and then Louisville, obviously, Scott Satterfield um, left uh, for since he's So I think, uh, you know, I don't, I don't expect them to be a threat moving forward. Um, and I think, that, you know, the two in-state schools will probably battle it out towards the end. Um, right now, if I had to pick, I think uh, he's going to Miami because they're going to host him most likely from what our Inside the U site reported earlier this week uh, on that last official visit weekend, next weekend, um, which is interesting because he has thrown out the date apparently of a December 16th uh, decision. And that would mean that he's deciding on Friday of next week before that weekend starts. So I think that could be pretty telling. We'll see. Maybe Florida State can make a dent this weekend with him. He's obviously still considering them. Okay, and I, think, I think NIL is a factor in this recruitment as well. One thing to add on, Bain, he plays for a state championship next Friday. Um, he has this weekend off because of that. But yeah, so the decision date that he's thrown out as a possibility or that's being thrown out as a possibility is the day of the state championship. Do we yep. think there's going to be more of this? Well, real quick before we get to do we think there are going to be more? A couple guys that came off the docket. Josh Braun committed to Arkansas, transferred from Florida. Sorry, Chris. Suwani, all good. Um, I, I've just known the Braun's a long time. Uh, he loves Sam Pittman. He almost played for him out of high school. I'm not shocked in the least he went to Arkansas. And then uh, Derek Hunter, Rambo Hunter, was originally on for this weekend. That is now off. From what Sorry, Chris. <laughs> all right uh, so I, do we I do think there's gonna ball? be more i'm, I'm gonna do a crystal a chris ball to ball of mario chris me to ball oh boy uh i'm gonna do a crystal ball for Derek hunter to colorado right now okay cool um i think there could be a, a few more official visitors this weekend i'm I not gonna too. give you any names i don't I watch out either. for the transfer portal i mean i already kind of reported i reported yesterday that um, there's a possibility that Jaheim Bell makes it this weekend. That's something that him, his camp, and FSU have discussed this week. Um, FSU staff has been extremely active with him, uh, you know, recruiting him since he, he entered the portal. And, um, you know, I expect them to go in home with him on Thursday and then try to get him on an OV this weekend. If that um, happened, if that happens, I, I have been, uh, I'm assuming I'm talking to different people than Zach is here. So this is noteworthy. Stop stealing um, my sources. <laughs> I, the last day, I just totally just did everything Zach did on Twitter and on the message board just to mess with him. It was a good formula. Exciting. And in our text thread. Yes, and in our text thread. Guys, guys, guys. Um, I think Jaheem Bell. Jaheem. Jaheem Bell. Not Shaheem. Brown. Uh, Jaheem Bell will make a decision, would prefer to make a decision sooner rather than later, uh, which if – if things materialize to what Zach's laying out there, if he does make it to campus, like I think that's really good for Florida state. We, we will see that the transfer portal is crazy and things move really fast. Things change quickly. Uh, but one trend I've noticed from covering this a little bit more on a, on a wider scope than just FSU is a, a lot of guys who have options want to make decisions quickly. And that means not even necessarily going, taking all official visits in the month of December. Like it could just mean you take one, you may not even take one. You just want to get your spot 
and be good to go. I don't know if that's for sure with Jaheim Bell, but like uh, there are some dots to connect there. So obviously a busy weekend in Tallahassee. We expect even more the following weekend, the 16th. A lot of commitments will be in that weekend. Some of the final targets will be in that weekend. And I'm sure some of the transfer portal movement will also come into that weekend. So continuing the trend of talking a lot of transfer portal because tis the season, we're going to talk about FSU and acquisitions from the portal. We're going to go kind of position by position. Do we think they need somebody? What do we have to share there? Things of that sort. So we'll start with quarterback. We talked about that earlier with the sense of guys potentially leaving. Barring FSU losing a guy, we don't expect them to take one. Even if they were to lose a guy, I'm not wholeheartedly convinced they do take one. They got Brock Glenn as a high schooler in this class. I think they're content there. We'll also infuse some high school stuff in this, obviously, because it's all about the numbers getting to 85 and building the roster in a proper manner. Everybody agree on quarterback? Yep. Yes, sir. All right. Running back, we talked about earlier, possibility of a guy departing just because of, well, one ball, only so many people to go around. Rodney Hill is waiting in the wings, a guy that, I personally love, I think all of us are very high on. They've got a commitment from Sam Singleton, the forgotten man to some degree, and then said Baxter is their most likely high school target that they're going to play it out to the very end and see who he signs with. Do we think they're going to pursue a running back beyond Cedric Baxter, whether portal or high school? I don't not, think so. not unless you had a, a unexpected attrition from a couple guys. Like let's say if Trayshon and Lawrence Tofilly both wanted to go or something like that, which doesn't seem likely that you would have two guys go. Um, or if Trey Benson all of a sudden gets some level of like NFL promises that you're not expecting, that'd be the only way I think you you do that. So very unlikely. You good with that, Zach? Yeah, I agree. I don't think they're going to go portal hunting for running back. When we talked about receiver earlier with Winston Wright and uh, Micah Pittman already letting it be known they're coming back, Keyshawn Helton's departure, we kind of talked about the fact they do have multiple guys coming in. Goldie Lawrence, Hakeem Williams, Alday Dre. Those are three really good additions from the high school ranks. Hakeem's probably an early contributor type of candidate. Heck, I think all day Dre can play pretty early too. So I don't think they're going to lean into the portal there. I think that's one of those where if it's the right dude, special kind of skill set they absolutely love, maybe they consider it. I would not say it's a priority for them. I think that's a good way to, to put it, Chris. If you lose some players – then yes, maybe it does just to felt the room, but uh, you articulated it well. And if it's someone who's a special talent at wide receiver, I could see you like making a move there. If it's someone like you think you could uh, attain, uh, we saw the Rara Thomas offer last night. I don't really want to particularly get into that uh, other than that we saw it. And yeah, I'm not sure they aggressively go after a wide receiver in the portal right now. Yeah, Rara Thomas is a guy who's probably going to end up elsewhere anyways. You know, we've heard Georgia, some other SEC types involved with him. I think he stays in that conference. He's coming from Mississippi State. I think the, the an important thing to note is, like, for right now, the plan is to not aggressively pursue another receiver to add, whether that's through the portal or the high school ranks. But FSU has options if they do want to, at the high school ranks especially. Um, Micah Mays, Andy Jean, Jalen Brown are three guys um, flip targets that they're still involved with and you know could make a late run at and then in the portal I know FSU has a few guys that they like that if you know maybe a, a, a few guys surprisingly leave on their roster I'm not saying I'm not expecting that to happen but if that happens they have options just options to turn to it's something that they're monitoring I think that's a good job by FSU you know as kind of a backup option as they try to keep an already um, you know well-performing unit intact to add a couple quick tidbits to what zach just mentioned with the high school guys 
on Andy Jean. He's somebody that it's been told to me for a while that there's a possibility of him coming for an official in December. We've not been able to confirm that. Uh, there was talk of him, Reuben Bain, Edwin McCain, or Edwin McCain. I'm showing my old music days. Edwin Joseph potentially coming in together. At this point, we expect Joseph and Bain this weekend have not heard anything in particular about Gene, yes or no. He is committed to Florida. From all things we've gathered, it seems he's fairly firm to Florida. And on Micah Mays, NC State has a belief he's coming in this weekend. I'm very interested to see if that visit happens. If that visit happens, maybe FSU gets him in here next weekend or at least makes an effort to. It will just be interesting to see. Micah Mays, is, he came for the Florida game unofficially here. Doesn't really want to talk about things. He's put forth that he's fairly firm to Wake Forest. Wake Forest was kind of one of the first schools to go all in on him. It'll be interesting to see if down the stretch it gets a little shaky with that commitment to the Demon Deacons or if he leans into truly being all in with them. So just a couple of things we're keeping an eye on. That fair, Zach? Anything else you want to add on receiver? No, I think you covered it well. All right, tight end. I don't really feel like we need to hit on this one much more. We've talked about quite a bit with Morlock and Bell. Uh, those are the guys that are kind of on the top of the list. I don't think they go for anybody in the high school ranks. Anything to add there, guys? I would imagine like the the transfer portal board would expand if things don't materialize for the two we mentioned. But um, but right now, nothing noteworthy. So moving on, that's all the skill on offense. So I guess we're talking about offensive line. Uh, quite a few targets there right now, actually. Chris Otto, who we absolutely love out of Key West. Uh, Alex Atkins has gone to see him a couple times since things opened up last week. Uh, DJ Chester, who's coming in for an official this week, and commit to LSU. Elijah Philippe, Prophet, who's in JUCO, is supposed to be in next week in the 16th for an official. Keyshawn Blackstock, also a JUCO, is supposed to be in next week for an official. And then there's several transfer portal guys they're hitting up. And that's a position where I think they're going to try to, they're going to nibble on all three high school, JUCO, and transfer portal in the sense of getting guys who can be developmental types versus guys who can come in and be a little more plug and play types as they continue to try to shore up that room and make the 15 to 18 guys that they carry on the roster at that position be as strong as possible to give you a truly excellent 3D. Because as we saw this year, injuries can quickly pile up. You know, you entered the year and a guy who's vying for your starting center position, a guy who did start for you at tackle, were both gone by game two. So things can quickly happen at that position. I'll let these two talk a little bit more about the high school and the portal guys. I'll hand it off to Zach first to talk high school. And if he wants to transition in a portal, he can do so. Him and B can go back and forth on that. Yeah. So I think the three guys to note um, that I've been told out of the high school slash Juca ranks is, like you said, DJ Chester, Chris Otto, and then Keyshawn Blackstock. Um, I think the other guys, like you mentioned, like Elijah Philippe, like he's a guy that FSU could go in on, but I'm not sure that he's 100% a take right now. The, the three aforementioned guys, I think FSU is actively pursuing and trying to add to this class. DJ Chester is probably, you know, the number one guy they want to add. He's a longtime target for them. They lost out on his initial commitment to LSU. That was early in November, but he's taking an official visit this weekend, like Chris mentioned. And I think FSU could make a dent here. Um, they're, you know, Auburn's still involved. Auburn's still involved. Disregard that. Auburn's still involved with him. They could, I'm told, host him for an official next weekend um, because he's already been on an official to Auburn um, in his recruiting process. And they obviously have a new head coach, and the NCAA permits you to take another official visit under a new coaching staff at the same school. So I'm, I'm told that could happen. Um, I think it's a good sign. FSU basically essentially got his last OV. Um, you know, obviously, like I said, he could take one to Auburn next weekend, but his last of five that he's that he's taken so far, 
Um, and I think that's a good sign. Uh, Chris Otto, um, like uh, Brendan mentioned in the chat for me, Alex Atkins has seen him twice uh, this week, um, basically um, because coaches concede twice or because the, the contact period started on a Friday um, and they saw uh, Otto over the weekend. Coaches can see uh, players twice within one week, basically, because it's it resets uh, on Monday uh, for when you're allowed to, to visit a prospect again. So they saw Otto twice this week. He's a really big priority for them out of the high school ranks. Alex Atkins loves him. Um, he's a the guy they're actively trying to add. I think he's probably a center at the next level. Um, we'll see. But, uh, you know, I think FSU sits in a good spot. His 24-7 sports crystal ball reads Florida State because my guy, Brendan Sinone, has entered a prediction for him. And then Keyshawn Blackstock is kind of a newer target for Florida State. Um, he's a guy that visited for the UF game and then locked in an OVE for next weekend. Um, he's a guy that I, I would you know know as probably the main JUCO target for them um, holistically at, you know, at all positions, a guy that, that Atkins really likes, and probably a guard at the next level based on seeing him in person. Um, but a guy that I think is is really talented and, and would help out this roster if they wanted to add him. I don't feel so confident on the Chris Otto crystal ball anymore. Wow. Why is that? Isn't he taking an official to Penn State in January? Penn State is kicking the tires. They're trying to get him to do something. We'll see. I think FSU might go for the close here at the end of the month, personally. If they do, then I feel great about the crystal ball. He seems pretty set on signing in February, which I find weird why FSU would try to bring him in now. But, hey, we'll see. I mean – because you want to try to get him in the boat if you want him. You want to try to make him. a big Akeem dent this weekend. I don't get it. Let's see. Do you want to talk about some transfer portal offensive linemen? Well, real quick before we get there, we can't forget about the ones that already do love us. Lucas Simmons is committed to FSU. Obviously a great take at tackle. Just, you know, I'd kind of glanced over him and he's not worth glancing over. He's very, very good. So just mention that. All right, go with the portal talk. All right. So the transfer portal, we do expect, so FSU loses Dylan Gibbons at left guard, almost certainly losing Dimitri Emanuel at right guard. I don't know if he can get like a waiver. To, I will, we'll see. I, I'm just trying to figure that out. Um, but so assuming that you're going to lose two starting guards as well as your top, uh, I guess, swing tackle uh, in Jasmine Turnitin, you have some guys to replace. And yes, you want to build up organically through high school players that you've already brought in like a Julian Armella, Jalen early and developed them. Uh, Chris mentioned Simmons uh, as a true freshman. Like there are guys you want to, to give opportunities to and, and build on, but also it's really important to have depth and have experience on the office line. We've seen that almost every single year. Like it, it can get, get dicey really quickly. So I do anticipate FSU to be selective, but also at the same time proactive and the transfer portal along the offensive line. Two names that I think are worth mentioning right off the bat here. One's Casey Roddick, offensive lineman from Colorado. We've talked about him before. Someone who FSU has a level of interest in. Uh, his his Twitter, uh, what was it? Zach, help me out. I'm an older guy. How, how do we explain this? What what did the Twitter, was it geolocation, geotag? What's yeah, basically you can tag a location in your Twitter bio. Twitter uh, has that feature, and he tagged the location Tallahassee, Florida. But then took it down after like But now it's not there. Oh, man. But – Regardless, I do believe there there's a lot of indication that there's mutual interest there. Leave it at that. I, I think FSU is in a good spot there for him. A guy that I think that they are interested in and vice versa. Someone NC who State is trying to get him in this weekend just to throw that in there real quick. 
Okay. That's worth monitoring if he shows up there or not, right? Yes. Okay. Jeremiah Byers is another uh, Byers Sinone. Am I right? Oh, uh, Byers Sinone. Jeremiah Byers to Florida State. Sponsored by the Turner Group. No, no one wants to play? I don't know yet. Okay. So FSU, I let you crazy kids have fun with the portal. FSU is uh, has offered Jeremiah Byers. He put that out publicly the other day. We were able to confirm it with a couple of different sources that FSU has a ton of interest in. And yes, offered legitimate there. Uh, I'm chasing this. I haven't been able to confirm it with Jeremiah, but I think FSU has. He said that FSU would pursue an in-home visit with him. I think that already occurred as of Wednesday morning here. Uh, with Alex Atkins, but I'm not 100% sure uh, on that enough to report it. Uh, but if it hasn't happened yet, I do anticipate it happening. FSU is interested here. Jeremiah Byers is an all-CUSA performer at right tackle. I think he might be a guard for – Chris, you like this. I think he might be a guard for Florida State if they were to get him. But I, I think someone that kind of reminds me of like a an amped-up Bless Harris and that like guard might be ideal but has the the – ability to play tackle with the foot speed and some of the athletic traits he has. He's a big boy. Think about 6'4 to 6'6, depending on what profile you look at, 330 pounds, but moves extremely well. Uh, he's someone that, that if FSU were to get him, I would imagine he would be a, a plug and play type. I'm extremely high on him. So someone who, who certainly is worth monitoring. And uh, yeah, I think that's, that's a name that people should definitely know. Anyone else on the offensive line? I mean, there's definitely, they're kicking the tires on a lot of guys. Um, trying to think if there's anyone. There's that, the Purdue transfer who entered the other Holster, day. Yeah, he. I don't think they've like offered him or anything. But you mentioned the main guys that they're in on, I believe. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. the The interior offensive line market is pretty darn good right now, and FSU is in that market. Uh, people had asked about like the um, the Alabama transfer Cohen. Uh, my understanding is that there's a ton of uh, NIL interest in him from some other. Uh, outfits and you just have to be wise with how much you're going to spend on an interior lineman, even if it is a position in need, if you're talking well into six figures uh, for NIL opportunities, that's just probably not something that you're at a point as a program you can do. So. All right. So moving on to the defensive side of ball, we'll start with the D line. FSU has commitments from guys like Keldrick Falk and KJ Sampson. That's an edge guy and an interior guy that lead the class. I would describe Falk as probably the guy they're most uh, concerned might not be the right word, but the guy they're most monitoring having to work for down the stretch from a commitment standpoint because of the fact that Auburn has been very aggressive with the coaching change and continuing to pursue him. KJ Sampson, who plays for a state title this weekend, he is supposed to go to NC State after that state championship. But at the end of the day, Sampson's been very solid to FSU. I think he ends up sticking with the Seminoles. They also have commitments from Juco, Jaden Jones, coming off a knee injury, recently officially visited, very solid in his commitment, looking forward to getting here. Tavian Gadsons, another guy that's currently in the class that they've added. So they've got those bodies as far as the high school level. Uh, you know, Jared Verse is a big thing at play here. Verse was to return. It changes the dynamics of who you need, what you need, what you need immediately. But with that in mind, we know they need interior guys. With the fact they will probably lose Fabian Lovett, even though that door is not slammed shut and 100% done. But they have lost Jarrett Jackson, a two-deep contributor. So they do need additional guys on the interior. Presuming Lovett is going and 50-50 on verse as of now, how do you see the transfer portal pursuit for FSU on the defensive line going? So don't don't forget your, your boy, Big Coop. Uh, exhausted his eligibility, yes. multi-year starter, defensive tackle. So at the very least, you have to replace him. And while FSU very much likes what they have with Josh Farmer, 
uh, who's I think going to end up being very, very good in, in time as well as uh, Malcolm Ray is a rotational guy. And then they like some of the younger guys like Daniel Lyons, Ayobami Tafasi. Uh, but, but we saw like there is, there was a precipitous drop off from Fabian Lovett to your next group of guys, which makes sense. I mean, he's an NFL caliber guy. I think it's a fifth year junior, uh, just a grown man. During this podcast, I have gotten a text that makes me think even more so that Fabian Lovett might come back to Florida state. I'm not ready to report that, but like uh, this is all moving very quickly. So uh, for now, let's assume that he isn't coming back, that he gets a good draft grade. I think you would be comfortable potentially taking two defensive tackles in the transfer portal. Even if he does return, I think you still take one, which brings us to a guy who, who I, Zach, I'll throw this to you from the transfer portal. I think this might materialize very quickly. Um, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Miami defensive tackle, former Miami defensive tackle, Daryl Jackson, who announced his intention to enter the portal. I believe he will officially hit the portal on Wednesday as we record this. He is not. Uh, to this point. Um, but once he does, I expect FSU to be in heavy pursuit. Um, and I think one of the main reasons um, from from my conversation with Daryl this week is for him entering the portal is that um, he wants to get closer to home um, because his mom is going through a medical um, issue right now. Um, and essentially, um, for him to play next year, he already transferred last season from Maryland to, into Miami. Um, and for him to play this coming season, he would need a hardship waiver. Um, and that would be an example of a hardship. Um, so he can move closer to home, be around his mom during this tough time for them. So, you know, thoughts and prayers to her um, in that situation. That's uh, awful. Um, and, but I think that's a large reason as to why Daryl Jackson is leaving Miami and why Florida State has emerged as one of the top options for him early out of the portal. And like you said, I think that's the most likely scenarios that he joins FSU um, and I don't expect it to be too much longer. One thing worth mentioning, I think the uh, availability of Jackson coming is part of the reason a guy like Derek Hunter is no longer coming in. Yeah, Derek Hunter, the Juco defensive lineman, that's not coming in for an OB. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, I think FSU is probably still going to try to add one more defensive tackle despite adding Jackson. Um, like, it, you know, if they do add Jackson, I, I think they'll still be in the market for another D tackle. Example of a guy like that, Braden Fisk out of uh, Western Michigan, is a guy that they you know went in home with and are trying to get uh, on campus for a visit. Um, Adam Fuller saw her, saw him um, this week, so I think uh, you know we'll see what 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 transpires there. But but I expect FSU to, to still try and add another defensive tackle, even if they do add Daryl Jackson. But not Come if on. they return Fabian Lovett. So that's the working thing. They do like Braden Fisk because he can play multiple spots along the defensive line. So you're always going, like, he can get to the quarterback. He has a hundred quarterback pressures in his career. So you're always going to add pass rushers and he's a pass rusher who can do it in multiple ways. A couple of high school names worth mentioning Ruben Bain, who we talked about earlier. He is a D end. If you call him anything else, he may hunt you down and kill you. So make oh, sure yeah. you call him an edge. He is an edge. You know, it's FSU Miami there. It's a battle to the end. Jordan Hall, who I don't even really feel like mentioning, but I will because FSU I uh, did swing by last week to drop in on him. He's supposed to decide, I believe, on the 22nd. FSU is not listed among the four he's deciding from. That's going to come down to Georgia and Florida unless Alabama pulls a rabbit out of the hat. Um, but Jordan I Hall Georgia committed to Colorado. Here. Different Jordan Hall. There's like seven in this cycle. Study. So the last position we have to talk about is defensive back. Yeah, it's a position where FSU had an up-and-down season. We had some guys kind of improve as it went on. Jerry and Jones comes to mind. 
Renardo Green comes to mind. We had some guys who had sophomore slums. Kevin Knowles comes to mind. Some guys moving on to the next level and Jamie Robinson. Other guys who are part of the future like A.C. Thomas and a couple others mixed in there. But then you also have some young guys, or I'm sorry, some guys who are lesser used guys who have been surpassed by young guys like Travis J. DeMori Tate who made the part. Then a Malik Feaster who's kind of a to-be-determined what all that's kind of involved with the fact that he only played four this year and probably retained a year of eligibility. Does he stay? Does he go? Who knows? So that room is going to be a different looking room again in the sense of the too deep of it. I don't think it is at the top. You know, I think a guy like Greedy Vance and Kevin Knowles are probably going to be your nickel types, but you're also looking to just improve it in general. So FSU's got commitments. They have Quindarius Jones. They've got uh, Jabril Rawls already committed. They also have Kenton Kirkland from Jacksonville. So that's a couple of safeties and one guy who could probably play corner out of the three of them. They are also pursuing some guys like Conrad Hussey, uh, Demari Brown, who's down. Both of those guys are down in South Florida. Guys that they're after, and Edwin Joseph, who we talked about earlier, who's coming in for an official this weekend. Uh, yeah, South Florida athlete. Another is Isaac Smith. Um, and Isaac I, Smith, yes, yeah. who was in uh, for the Florida game for an official visit, and he is more kind of like a Jamie Robinson type. He, some people even think he might be a linebacker, but he's definitely a hybrid type of guy who can do a lot of different things. I think FSU views him as a Jamie Robinson type. But LSU is probably the top contender there. He's supposed to go there this weekend for an official visit. Mississippi State and in-state schools also heavily involved. Just feels like one where Evans is probably not playing, you know, first row right now as far as seating in his recruitment. So the portal is going to be important for this position. And obviously, we're already public with a few names there, but I think FSU is going to continue. But I'm going to hand that off to Brendan so he can talk about a couple of the guys we already know about and just speak on it a little bit further. All right, uh, portal stuff was happening uh, as we were recording this. Rodor entered the transfer portal. No snaps in two seasons for FSU. I remember us being so excited when he committed to FSU because there's a ton of upside, but just never really materialized. So some portal names to know. Well, the big portal name to know. This guy's ranked number one in the 24-7 sports transfer portal rankings. So this is the top uh, available player in the country right now, and that's Ventral Cypress the second cornerback from Virginia. He was an all ACC performer this for this last year. I think Chris had him as a first team guy in his vote. I did. You did. Nice buddy. You were, you were in on that one. Uh, he was fantastic in pretty much like every metric, like his, his just basic stats were awesome. He allowed a completion percentage rate of 45%. Uh, 14 PBUs, I think, which led the ACC. I believe it I led the league and it was like top three or four in the country. Yeah, so that was really good. His PFF grade was great. He was like high eighties. So, uh, South Carolina native, Rock Hill, which I think is Northern South Carolina, close to Charlotte. Uh, someone who's going to be extremely coveted. Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame already in on him. But worth noting, Florida State is in on him as well. I was able to report this morning that FSU defensive coordinator Adam Fuller visited uh, Federal Cypress II on Tuesday evening. So FSU is at least making a push here. It's interesting. Cornerback is like a need for FSU in the sense, like I think you could upgrade that that top of your room and still be okay because you always want numbers at cornerback. We saw this season like a, an injury or just a down year can really derail that room. Uh, so someone that if you're going to add a cornerback, I think it has to be someone who you add as a starter, not just depth piece. Fentrell Cypress fits that bill. Uh, he's very, very, very talented. Will be very well pursued. Uh, Good to see the FSU is at least in the mix here. I think that's encouraging. Uh, a couple other names that I don't know if FSU is going to be as aggressive with because I don't know if they're like surefire starters. They might be. Uh, this is my estimation. I don't know if you are guaranteed guys. 
One is Devontae Brown from UCF. He entered the portal as a three-year starter, has ties to Randy Shannon, played for Randy Shannon for a year when he was at UCF. He is the big brother of uh, Damari Brown, who, who you guys mentioned already. So there's a connection there. Damari Brown, I think, is someone that FSU would love to get. Just Alabama is probably running first right now, Miami second, and FSU is probably a distant third at this time. If you get his brother, who knows? Not saying it's a package deal, uh, but it is a dynamic to watch and a name to know. One other name that I would throw out there as well at cornerback is A.J. Hampton, son of former FSU special teams defensive coordinator, special teams coordinator Alonzo Hampton. I know that's going to send some chills down some of your spines there, but A.J. Hampton is a pretty solid cornerback, three-year contributor slash starter for Northwestern. Good metrics, nothing like out of this world, but just very solid for three years. Would be someone who will will probably transfer to a Power Five program and be a starter somewhere. Yeah, and it's, on Hampton, it's worth mentioning family ties still exist yep. here in Tallahassee. His younger brother is actually at Florida High, and somebody FSU is involved with. Alonso's been around the program since his departure as a coach here because of the youngest son's recruitment by FSU. So I don't think there's you know like a concern of bad feelings and stuff. I think if FSU did pursue ears would be open. There would be some listening going on. Uh, when Alonzo Hampton showed up for his son uh, recruitment, I forget it was over the summer, but there was a lot of love. There was a lot of people giving him hugs and stuff like that. So he, yeah, he's, he's a super nice guy. Um, yeah. You know, special teams under his guidance didn't go real well here, but in general, I uh, think he was very well liked by people. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that didn't go very well under that regime. So it's tough to, to point fingers, I think in, in hindsight. Uh, so those are the cornerbacks of note in the transfer portal right now. Uh, that'll be a very interesting position to see develop. If you can get in on Fentrell Cypress, like get in, in and, and get a visit from him, like that's a game changer for the secondary. That's an NFL caliber talent. Uh, but the other names are, are noteworthy as well. At safety, and I think safety is a bigger need, like quote unquote need, like you need to add at least one body there, if not two, uh, via the portal in my estimation. And the market's just not as robust right now, though, in the transfer market than cornerback or as cornerback is. Uh, one name, though, it, that is noteworthy is Jason Matry from Boston College, five-year contributor, multi-year starter, more than 2,000 snaps at the Power 5 level, which is impressive. And those snaps range from him being a safety, being an outside corner, slot corner. I get the feeling, guys, that that's a guy that FSU likes. They've offered him, so they obviously like him to an extent. I don't know if they are in love with him, uh, but one of the better guys in the market right now who provides stability and versatility in the back end of the defense. Someone who's very smart and being able to communicate at safety is important. Wouldn't be surprised if he shows up for an official visit in the next few weeks. He reminds me to some degree like Jazz's recruitment last year by FSU, where he's a guy who has done it for so long that he kind of knows how to handle it all. And is he really good? I don't know. Is he bad? Probably not. Is he in the middle? Certainly. But he's reliable. And, uh, you know, I, I think we've learned to kind of trust what they're doing and how they go about things. One thing to add on, Jason, is that he grew up in Orlando. I believe he lived there until he was 12 years old. He finished up his uh, high school career up in Massachusetts. He did all of his high school in Massachusetts, and that's part of the reason he ended up at BC. Hi, Zach. Hello. <laughs> is there anything you want to talk about? Um, did you mention Tony Grimes at all? No, no, the, the UNC yeah, cornerback. UNC DB entered the portal this week. Um, you know, what we know is that Florida State has reached out, according to an article that 24-7 Sports did on his uh, recruitment coming out of the portal. Uh, they said 30 schools reached out, and Florida State wasn't one of them. I don't think anything's too developed there, but FSU is definitely inquiring about a, a guy that came in as, um, I think, a five-star or borderline five-star out of high school. Um, he was a guy that was supposed to, 
come in the year after then reclassified and then joined unc like i think like during his senior year of high school so he was uh really young when he got into college had a really good true freshman season kind of uh, backed off those like great metrics in the in the following years but enters the portal as a guy with with a lot of uh um he's lengthy and, and he's pretty talented so um i could see him getting some some strong suitors from across the country one thing i'll say about db recruiting i think there's some positions where fsu certainly is trying to get guys in here by january you know tight end is one of those some of those o-linemen would probably, probably fall in that category i think secondary is one that they'll play a little bit more of a long game with you know, I think we'll be talking about secondary recruiting into the summer months, truthfully. Oh, Chris is excited over we that. Talk about Juco. It, it's, a, it's a gift that keeps giving. Yeah, I mean, there's Juco's they've kicked the tires on at uh, Will. In the secondary. Will Lee yeah. is an example. Rod, Reggie Akles is an example. Uh, I know I'm probably forgetting one or two others. Will Lee committed to K-State, but FSU did watch him play this past week. Now they watched a few guys that play with him on his Juco team when Mike Norvell and company was in the area for a game the other night. So they checked them out, but yeah. So it it's a position that the recruiting has been kind of weird at now for a couple of years. I think we just got to roll with the punches and see how it plays out. I think the thing is they want to get kind of a definitive guy at safety. I, I do agree with Brendan. I think safety is more important because we saw in that Florida game as a couple guys got dinged up, they just didn't really have a whole lot of depth there. And that's a situation they don't want to be in. That's what they worked to resolve last year at corner to a degree. And they did slightly, despite some guys not panning out necessarily. Uh, they want to fix that at safety too. And they bring back Shaheen Brown, who I yep. think we all think really highly of, but still a develop. Uh, yeah, and they do, and a, a developmental guy still. Uh, so if you can, you know, not force him to have to be like a sixty yeah. snap guy, he might he might end up becoming that next year just organically. But you don't want to like bank on that, and then you lose have- Pack, who was a guy who you knew you could trust. You knew mm-hmm. whenever you had to run out there that he knew what to do. He understood the assignment and. He was, you know, a guy they leaned on a lot in 21 and then in 22 was a reserve. But when they had to play him, they knew what they were getting. You want to get guys that replace that level of confidence, which in mm-hmm. within the hierarchy. We think I, Akeem Dent's probably coming back. Uh, Travis Jay is going to be an interesting one. I don't think you want to enter the season with him in your three-man rotation. But if he's on the two deep, like Travis Jay has had an interesting career, to say the least. Um, I will give him a a hat tip like he was extremely engaged as a scout team guy this year uh, like extremely engaged there was one point where he was like pulling tackling dummies off the off the sideline helping out the uh, the student assistants uh while the while the ones were getting ready to line up for like a like a tempo drill thing like yeah he, he, just, he, he feels he, like he, a brendan gant turnaround candidate i guess yes. is what you're trying to say or maybe even oh let's not get ahead of ourselves the renardo green uh turnaround candidate like uh, he if it clicks for Travis J, watch out. But yeah, you know, we've been saying we've, that for three years. We've been burnt before. But I, I, my point being is, like, I think you could rely on him to an extent uh, moving forward potentially. But you, you want to add to that yeah. position group. I think the best way of defining Jay is if he doesn't enter the portal. I think there's a mutual understanding that be the best version of yourself and be something that helps his football team. Sorry, I was shaking my head. That's probably not helpful for a podcast medium. Um, well said. I think we're pretty good. I think we've covered a lot. Um, yeah. Now, the good news is in about three hours because of the portal and how it operates. A lot of this isn't just going to well, matter anymore. So, yeah, this this time. needs to get up. This needs to get up ASAP because so, stuff. Thank you for listening. I'm going to tell Sonona to be quiet. Okay. Zach, I'm glad you changed your camera to not use your camera. And please rank us five stars. Thank you. Rank us. Or else. <laughs> <laughs>